you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. A little blue birdie told us we're on Twitter now. Give us a follow at Fade Route DNZ. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome to this issue of the Fade Route. I am D and with me as always is Z. And we have a full complement of sports talk today. We have NFL free agency. We have Major League Baseball experimenting with different rule changes. And Shy Town Mike is going to join us on the in route to talk about March Madness and offer up some bets you can make this weekend to make good on your stimulus check or your IRS refund. But we're going to begin today with talking about the retirement of Drew Brees. A couple of weeks ago, we discussed his prowess and his stature as an NFL quarterback. But now we're going to focus on the future of the Saints. Where do they go from here? How does the quarterback market now look that Drew Brees is out of the picture? What's up, Z? How's it going? What's going on, brother? And you know what? The Saints, where do they go from here? They go down. They definitely go down. Even though they re-signed Jameis Winston, they have Taysom Hill on that deal. Like, neither one of those guys is as good as Drew Brees was on the decline. So, I, I don't see them as presently constituted being as good as they were last year. You know, it's it's interesting you say that. I actually went back and I, I looked I looked at Drew Brees' numbers. The first five years he was in the league with the San Diego Chargers. And I compared them to the first five years Jameis Winston was in the league with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the numbers are surprisingly very close. We have Drew Brees with 40 touchdowns. Okay. Jameis Winston, 28. All right. Give him that. I'm sorry. Sorry. We have, we have Drew Brees with 80 touchdowns. And Jameis Winston with 121 touchdowns. We have Drew Brees with 40 wins. And Jameis Winston with only 28 wins. In yards passing, we have Drew Brees with 12,000. Jameis Winston with 19,000 yards. And completion percentage, we have Drew Brees with 62%. And Jameis Winston with 61%. So he actually has a chance 
to rewrite his story just as Drew Brees did. Now, apparently there was a secret meeting where the Bears met with the Seahawks in North Dakota to discuss possibly dealing for Russell Wilson. I'm not sure what the asking price was, but the general manager of the Bears couldn't pull it off. So I, I think, yeah, I think Ryan Pace has really lost his stature in the league as a, a GM. But you could just see that uh, uh, getting someone like Russell Wilson is really, it's really out of the question. I don't, I don't see that as an option for the Saints. Deshaun Watson was hit with a civil lawsuit today from his masseuse. Not sure anybody's going to be wanting to trade for him right now because the ramifications could be that next year he might have to miss some games under the NFL's um, policies. So it's quite possible that the Saints could go into training camp with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, let them battle it out, and you might be surprised that Jameis Winston rises to the occasion. I mean, we all know he's got the arm. He could throw. It's just a matter of is he mature enough to know when to throw the ball away, when to take a sack, and when to deliver the football to the correct team. <laughs> That's the most important thing is that he has no – I mean, it's not the arm strength. That's not the problem. It's sometimes the decision-making and the accuracy because he was a Mr. 30-30. Not 30 homers and 30 steals, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. Like that's, that's horrible. <laughs> For a lot, you know, that's the only word you can put out there is that it is horrible. And the, de- the defense of the Saints is not good enough to overcome that level of terrible quarterback play. But to, to kind of pick, a, uh, pick up on uh, what we were talking about with Russell Wilson, I don't think financially it's not going to work for them either because the, pay- the Saints are still strapped against the cap. And I, I just want to know about this meeting. Like, you know, the, <laughs> is it the Treaty of Boise? I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Yeah. Why did they go to North Dakota of all yeah, places? Of all, yeah, was, he wanted to see Mount Rushmore. Is that what it was? Or no, he wanted to rush Mount Rushmore. It's in South Dakota. Ryan, you need to know your geography. But I'm like, why? I, I don't understand that aspect of it. But I what the thing that's getting me is is I what did he what did he offer? I'd love to know what the offer was. And you've got to assume that it had to be picks and I'm guessing defensive players and linebackers. Cause let's be real. The bears do play decent defense, right? Oh, yeah, no. Really? You would say that their biggest hole outside of the quarterback position is the offensive line. So why, why would Russell Wilson even consider going there? And at this point, I'm starting to think that Russell Wilson really wants out, right? Because why would you leak these teams that you would be willing to go to if you didn't want your team to seek out a trade? And one of the things Pete Carroll said this week was that, you know, he's not interested in the rebuild and he wants to move forward with Russell Wilson. I'm not sure how much weight Pete carries in this call, but, you know, I, I see this as a failure on Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to get a deal done, honestly. No, it definitely is. And honestly, Let's reflect a little bit on the list that Russell Wilson put forward. The Cowboys, they're off the table now that they sound Dak Prescott. Done. The Raiders, the Raiders just lost their entire offensive line, and they have Derek Carr. Right. So, I mean, that's off the table. 
unless Derek Carr becomes available, then why the hell would you go to a team without an offensive line? So same for the Bears. And the fourth team, who was the fourth team on that list? It was the Saints. I mean, yeah, the Saints can't afford you, bro. So you're going to have to do a little bit of either you're going to have to mend some fences and do what some of these other players are doing. And that's forking over a little bit of your money, deferring it to the at least or restructuring completely. Or you're just going to take it on the chin. And it doesn't sound like Russell Wilson is willing or eager to take it on the chin. And as far as Deshaun Watson goes, man, this is not good. I mean, a second masseuse has come out. Yeah. So there's now it's I just hope that he is not on record saying anything about Robert Kraft. Because, you know, I mean. We got to dig that up. Stat boy, dig that up for us. See if you can find anything. I mean, that's just going to rub me the wrong way. And I don't want to tug at your heartstrings here, but uh, don't yeah. don't tug at anything. No, <laughs> this will not be a happy ending for Houston fans or Deshaun Watson. Not at all. Well, yeah, with the league with the league year really getting started and free agency opening, one team that was ready once that free agency period opened was the New England Patriots. They tried to reload on day one. They're trying to get a division title on day one. Signing players like Matt Judon, Nelson Aguilar, Johnu Smith, Jalen Mills, Kendrick Bourne, Dietrich Wise, Devan, Devan Gacho, and Ted Karras. They were ready to go. So do you think they loaded up enough to win the title just in one day of free agency? And Hunter Henry on day two. And they're getting back, what, six players on defense? Yes. Still not. <laughs> no, they have not solved the quarterback issue. If Cam Newton is going to have the pop gun arm that he had last year, and it's going to be a throwback to the like the wing T offense, no, they're dead in the water. They have not done nearly enough because they have not addressed the pressing issues that they, of the quarterback not being able to throw the football. Will they be able to? Did they leapfrog Miami to second place? Probably. The Jets haven't done anything worthwhile yet. The Bills, I mean, the, the Bills haven't needed to do anything. They're the division champions. You know, to be the man, you have to beat, you have to beat the man. <laughs> to quote the great nature boy, Rick, Rick Flair. Rick Flair, baby. Absolutely. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And they're adding. They brought in Emmanuel Sanders for, in, in free agency. So division title, no. Wild card spot. Probably. So I, the one thing I will commend New England for is it seems like they had a plan, right? It's like we knew the salary cap was going to be lower. Day one, we're ready. Like we, we, we wanted Nelson Aguilar. We wanted Jalen Mills. And we wanted Jonu Smith. We wanted those guys. Those are the first day we're getting them. Next, we want Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Diedrich Wise, right? Mm-hmm. They, they were ready. The only thing is, like you said, I don't know about Cam. Like, if you're going to tell me that we're going to get the Cam from last year that's skipping in slant routes and can't really get the ball downfield, then, yeah, this is a dead end. This is third place, maybe second. But 
if they're able to somehow, some way, get 2015 Cam Newton, who's throwing deep routes to Steve Smith and throwing over the middle to Greg Olson, they might have something here. You know, they seem to have they seem to have a game plan with the lower salary cap much better than the Bears and the Jets did. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The, the Jets and the Bears have no plan. There is no plan. It, it's written in crayon. So let's not even compare <laughs> the organizations, please. I just, uh, you know, and you know, you know Cam's going to work hard. And the other part is, is we talked about this for yesterday, yeah. was it seems like they're going to go back to their two tight end set. We're going to run the football, and then we're going to throw it to our tight ends. And if they do that and play defense, right? Of oh, course, they they're going to play. They're going to play a stout defense. And with those players coming back on the defensive side of the ball, they should with Hightower and Chung. They should be able to play pretty good defense. So it's a matter of can they score and can Cam be Cam. No, absolutely. Cam is the X factor on this team, and it's just a gaping hole. It's the shadow left by Tom Brady is so big that even a former MVP cannot fill it. Like that is very interesting. And one thing that I find interesting about the uh, the Patriots is that they did bring back Matt Patricia. He's not going to be. They did. I didn't even know yeah, that. He's not going to be the DC. I think he's a special assistant. He's not going to be the. He, Steve Belichick is calling that deep. Well, technically, Bill Belichick is calling that defense. But Steve is there. Steve is there. He's like, what do you want to run, Dad? <laughs> yeah. What do you want to run? What do you think? What are you thinking here? <laughs> what do you think I'm thinking? Oh, shit, Dad. Come on. But maybe, and we talked about this in our production meeting as well, they're setting Cam up to bring in another quarterback who has a similar skill set. And um, that led me to Trey Lance. Are they high enough on Trey Lance that they would draft him, stash him under Cam Newton's wing, and hope some of that would rub off on the young quarterback to the point where maybe next year, maybe the year after, they'll hand the keys over and Cam can go off to wherever it is he wants to go off. You're really big on this guy. You've been talking about him a lot to me. I just have a hard time. You know, he, the league he, he is enamored with guys like that, though. It is. It is. Uh, I just, you know, the fact that Carson Wentz also played for the school, right? And mm-hmm. he only he only played one he only played one game last year, right? I mean, he he's he's coming off of not playing enough and not playing so well. He definitely has the attributes that you'd want in a quarterback. I don't know if you waste a first round pick on him. You know, maybe you you take him in the second or third round. But I'm I'm not about wasting early picks on quarterbacks, especially you know New England knowing what they got with six rounders and fifth rounders and fourth rounders and so on. But the other part about it is, you know, they've exploited this pretty well the last couple of days on ESPN is the Patriots don't draft well. They, ha- they haven't drafted they haven't very won. well in the last couple of years. So I'm not sure if I'm going to tra- trust that scouting department and say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to really go into this direction. But, you know, like we talked about, NFL free agency is well on our way. Uh, we've talked about some of the players that were picked up for the Patriots, but 
what have you seen this week what was the best move so far or maybe one of the biggest head scratchers you've seen so far? I'm going to go with the best move so far. Um, we'll deal with the head scratcher because it, it's a big head scratcher. But uh, <laughs> I hope you don't have to say what is me. <laughs> I, I hope so. But I think we're in agreement. But we, we didn't flush this out. because We're going to do the stepbrothers thing again, you know. But um, as far as the best moves, I really like what Jacksonville's doing. Like they're bringing Tyson Alualu. They brought in Shaq Griffin but from um, Seattle. They brought in Marvin Jones to really solidify that receiving core. You know, they brought in Cardinal Spellman High School's own Chris Manhart's at tight end. <laughs> Shout out to the Pilot Falcons. But friend of the program. That's right. Friend of the show. Coach Opper. Yeah, boy. But, um, you know, in all seriousness, I really do like that depth move and really kind of rebuilding and bringing in some culture, guys. We've been split on this. I like Bud Dupree to Tennessee. I think he's going to, for one, you weaken the Steelers. So maybe you kind of benefit from that. And you bring in a high-energy guy, you bring in a good player on that defense, and you keep adding to that. Because with that offense as presently constituted, they're going to need it. Yeah, so for me, uh, I agree with you. I like the Shaq Griffin signing. I mean, if you think about it, he's a top-10 quarterback. He's going to team with their 2020 first-round pick from last year. So they're going to form one of the best tandems at cornerback in the league. Uh, Another pickup that I liked was I liked Shaq Barrett re-signing mm. with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that was all made possible because Tom Brady took less money so they're pretty much returning that defense back there's 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 they even I believe they re-signed Levante David too so they're they're bringing the majority of that defense back um to start on head scratchers for me the first one is the Bears signing Andy Dalton so let me get this straight. You went, you went from agreeing with each other that, okay, we can't win with Mitch Trubisky, even though he's well over 500 as a starter. We can't win with him here, okay? Now we're going to go to a meeting in North Dakota to try to get Russell Wilson, okay? We're, we, we're going to try and get him. Ah, they wanted too much. We can't get him. So I got a, I got a great idea, Matt. Let's sign Andy Dalton. I agree. High five. <laughs> We're going places. I feel, I feel for Allen Robinson in this situation because you know he's like, come on, man. And I like Andy Dalton. I do. I like the guy. But you can't really be serious. Like, this is your big move on the, the first day, first couple of days of free agency. I mean, how incompetent can you be? I mean, they're making Les Snead and Sean McVay look good. Like, I, I just – I can't see it. I mean, tell me honestly, the Bears signing Andy Dalton or the Redskins signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, to you, which is the better quarterback deal there? Oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think – right. That's – without even thinking about yeah. it, without breaking a sweat. Yeah. Like, do you guys think you were competing against somebody? Like, who are you worried was going to sign Andy Dalton from you on the – like first couple of days of free agency. Is he that good? I mean, I, and then the, the other head scratcher for me was the Jets signing Corey Davis to a three-year deal. Corey Davis, this guy, this, this washout first round pick, like this guy was like a first rounder and 
he washed out of Tennessee, and you guys jumped all over him, giving him a three-year deal? Like, I like Joe Douglas, but, dude, you don't get it. <laughs> like, you, you clearly, clearly don't get it. No. I also don't like the Carl Lawson move for them. I, I don't like bringing in teams from losing organizations when you're trying to rebuild a culture. I think that's kind they of – uh, They gave him a massive deal, too. Uh-huh. They gave him a massive deal. He, he's like – I think he's another failed first-rounder. Yeah. It's not like they went and got Carlos Dunlop. You know, it's not like they went and got a, a premier player. They went and got a, another guy. Um, I'm not too keen on what the Giants are doing. I, I don't like the um, the Booker signing. I'm like, okay. Uh, you, Gallman was finally Gallman was finally showing you something. You know, you finally let him, which is nice. Uh, Deion Lewis was a Deion. It, it was an eh signing. You know, it, he was brought in to be a glue guy for Joe Judge. And now that he's a year in and he knows what he's doing, like, okay, maybe you don't need Deion Lewis. So, you know, Devontae Booker, okay. Bring in wide receiver. You brought in the wrong, the wrong receiver from the Bengals. You brought in the, the wrong, wrong guy. You, guy. You got the wrong guy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? A.J. Green was there to be had, and you let him guard the Cardinals. P.S., how good is that wide receiving core for the Cardinals? Seriously. Seriously. I was texting with a buddy of mine today, and he's like, oh, you think they're going to be good? I think they're going to be good. They got Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, and A.J. Green all in the quarterback, all in the wide receiver room. Are they going to be good? He he just got to put it in the area. He don't got to – he doesn't have to be accurate at all. Throw it up. I'll get it. And the running game. Like, their their offense is – it's stout. It is a good running game. Um – yeah, those are really just like really. I mean, uh, the other one is like Ryan re-signing Ryan Suck up to a three-year contract. He's a kicker. He'll you know he'll be gone. Like that's like that's how kickers roll. Um, but one thing I found, oh, we have a number of trades, and I find that very interesting. Like Rodney Hudson got traded to the Cardinals, and um, this one was really interesting. The Michael Brockers trade from <laughs> <laughs> from the Rams, the Rams to the Lions, dude. Like, about two months once the Matthew Stafford trade came up, came up, he is on record saying he was a level up from Goff. Well, sir, you've now been reunited with Mr. Goff, so you got some serious apologizing to do. When I said level up, I didn't mean. Oh shit! I'm sorry. Not only that, but I believe he was traded for like a like a seventh round pick, like a ham sandwich, yeah. like something like that. It's like Mr. Irrelevant. You got traded for Mr. Fucking Irrelevant. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I I dig what's going on here. There's a lot of movement. Before we came on, uh, Patrick Peterson got signed by the Vikings. I don't know how I feel about that. The Vikings, yeah, I just, they're not good. They're not good, and re, you know he's not uh, he's not going to help them be better next year. You got a lot of people striking out in free agency early. That's that, that's just my opinion, and um, I'm not sure what's driving it. Like I'm, I'm happy for Patrick Peterson because I wanted to see him go to a decent team, but you know it's almost like that is that is the Viking style, right? They have yeah. that one corner that can like it used to be Rhodes for a number of years, and then Rhodes went to the Colts and played really good this year. I I, I thought Patrick Peterson was gonna end up with the Jets. I really did because the Jets the Jets like to do stuff like that. Like go get like you know they love getting people past their prime and like setting them up and like oh yeah we got a lockdown corner lockdown corner like five years ago right like Patrick I mean Patrick Peterson's good but 
you know, there's a reason why the Cardinals didn't re-sign him. Very true. And as far as like an under the radar sneaky good signing, like who do you have? Because for me, that's John Johnson to the Browns. You put him in that secondary with Denzel Ward. Ooh, that is good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I. The more I thought about it, I remember I gave you a hard time over the Bud Dupree thing, but I think you might be right in the sense that he, he's going to really make that defense better if he can come back healthy. Um, and I was surprised he didn't get more love from Pittsburgh. I'm surprised that they didn't try to re-sign him or franchise him. Uh, but he he's a guy that he, they're going to need a lot of help on defense now. So he he, he can possibly uh, bring them from maybe like a, a top 15 defense to like a top 10 defense. And they're going to need it. They're going to freaking need it because they lost John R. Smith. They lost Corey Davis. And, you know, Derrick Henry, you can only absorb so many hits. I mean, what, even, yeah. even if you're delivering them, you can yeah. only take so many. Your bump card eventually gets cashed. Yeah, and and Corey Davis is gone, and not Corey, not like Corey Davis was a world beater, but you know AJ Brown is now you know definitely the premier wide receiver there, and it's like okay, well, wh- what are we gonna do offensively? Like he can't go for three two thousand yard seasons in a row. I mean, let's be real about that. And the Jaguars are coming, right? The mm-hmm. Jag the Jaguars are coming. Maybe not this year, but you would assume you assume next year. You would assume that they're definitely gonna be on the rise. But switching gears a little bit. Uh, Major League Baseball experimenting with some rule changes in their single A, double A, and triple A uh, affiliates this year. Uh, some of the changes include increasing the size of the bases to reduce collisions. Uh, all infielders must have a foot on the infield dirt, and that's to counter extreme shifts. You have Pitchers must be dislodged from the rubber before making a pickoff move. They're hoping to increase the number of stolen bases. And pickoffs. Pitchers will be limited to three pickoff attempts, and if they fail in the third one, the runner automatically gets the base and is treated as a balk. Which ones? Which one of these changes do you like? Which one of these changes do you dislike? I think the size of the base pads ultimately – the bases, I should say. They're going from – uh, 15 to 18, that's ultimately inconsequential. Supposedly, that's to, uh, for player safety. We'll see. Um, the shift thing, it seems gimmicky to me because there's an easy fix. There is an easy fix already in place. Hit the fucking ball the other way. Bunt the ball. The Slap it. Ball. Like, you don't need to legislate it out of the game. Just strategize against it. That's just my opinion. But, you know, who am I? I'm not Rob Manfred. I actually paid attention in school. Um, I got my Rob Manfred t-shirt on, by the way. Nice, nice. I'm going to throw a tomato at it later. <laughs> um, the step off the rubber, that's like tw- 26 years too late. Andy Pettit popularized the pickoff move in 1995. Right, right. Everything Andy Pettit would do would be a balk. Right. <laughs> with the, this the, rule. The Andy Pettit, <laughs> it's the Andy Pettit rule. The problem is that Andy Pettit's been retired forever. Um, I do like the limit of two pickoff attempts because that also keeps you from stalling to get your reliever heated up. So there is an element of strategy to that. And that coupled with the mound visit rule – I think is going to really kind of change the way how managers are going to strategize late in the game to the point where they're going to really have to start 
getting their player, getting their relief pitchers hot a little bit sooner. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, um, we've talked about this several times in the show. Baseball is perfect. It is a alligator. It's a crocodile. It's a shark. It was, it's been perfect. It doesn't need to be altered. Um, I, I don't have a problem with the bases. And if you want to increase the size of the bases, decrease the size of it, I don't care. Uh, pitchers being dislodged from the rubber. I mean, okay. Um, I do, I do like the idea again, just the idea of maybe making it so that the infielders have to stay on the dirt. Mm. I think it's fine. Like, I think it's okay to experiment with it and change it. I do agree with you that the other team should just hit the ball the other way. I don't see why people can't do that. Uh, in doing my research, though, I was actually – it was interesting to see how much stolen bases have gone down in the last 30 years. I mean, we haven't had a person steal over 100 bases in Major League Baseball since the 80s. Vince Coleman, then, baby. Yeah, and then in the 90s, the average stolen base number was 62. Uh, the 2000s was the same. And in, in the last 10 years, it dropped by 10. I mean, that's a lot. And I don't think that has a lot to do with pitcher deception, but I do think it has to do with pickoffs and people also just thinking the Billy Bean way, which don't steal bases. What do you need to steal bases for? You're just going to get thrown out. Like, I don't pay you to get – I pay you to get on base, not get thrown out going to second, you know? So I am actually okay with the pickoff rule – because I think that's going to create an interesting dynamic. Because if I try to throw over twice, it's like, okay, now I'm really daring this guy to take a bigger lead and try to just not get picked off, right? Because then if I fail to pick him off, he gets to go to second. So I, I, I'd be interested to see how that plays out. And I'd be interested to see, you know, what the results are. But I, the whole the whole idea behind these changes is to one make the game safer but also one make the game more enjoyable and quicker but i just think if you if you put some of these things in i don't know how much quicker the game's going to get well no i mean you're really not going to you're not really going to change the fundamental issue with baseball with these rules you'll affect it a little bit with the shift rule that's pretty much it. For me, the main issue with Major League Baseball is that nothing is happening. Why is the NBA popular? People are constantly in motion. Why is the NHL popular? It's constantly in motion. The NFL, there's only 35 seconds in between, but then there's motion again. Yeah. Like, right. You can have cross-ups, and then there's a mound visit. You can have strikeouts walks, step in one foot out of the batter's box. There's just way too much time. Those little things, the little nuances of the game that we love, coupled with the fact that they're not making contact and they're actively being discouraged from trying to make contact. Be the three true outcome guy. Launch angle. It's okay. Well, that's fine, but you know what? Last year you didn't play in front of anybody. And if it, com if it continues being at a snail's pace, you're going to start playing to fewer and fewer people. Uh, 
yeah, I, I, there's a lot of, there's a couple of things going on with baseball. And again, I, I love baseball. I'll watch baseball. I'll go to baseball games. I have no problem with it. The issue baseball, I think, has is it doesn't have any stars. And it, the stars that they do have, they they don't have a personality that you can relate to. Uh, I think I think about when we were growing up, like Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, was the star. And the guy really didn't say much, but he had swagger on the on the field. Everybody wanted to swing like him. I wore my hat backwards during back batting practice because he did. You once bought me a Ken Griffey Jr. glove, which was the best glove ever, and I still have it. Like – these are the like these players were just in the moment. I mean, in basketball, in basketball, you have not only like Instagram stars, but everyone's got their own sneaker. Everyone's got their own like uh, apparel line. And in, and in and in football, it's it's the talent, it's the action, it's the ability to throw the ball downfield, it's the ability to run past people. That's attractive. Like in baseball, needs needs their stars to represent the game better than they do. How much of that is also attributed to the unwritten rules, you know, the the so-called yeah. unwritten rules where, you know, bat flips will get you drilled in the ribs and you don't, you know, you're not allowed to show personality. And we've been taught from an early age, don't show up your opponent. Like now, you know, that runs completely contrary to the let the kids play kind of uh, ad campaign that they were running. So which one is it? Let the kids play or act like a pro. And there seems to be a bit of an identity crisis in Major League Baseball. But as the older guard are starting to retire and phase themselves out, like the Brian McCanns of the world, I think it's probably going to end up more to let the kids play. Yeah, I think what you need, you need more. You need, I mean, you could do it on a, you can do it on a more respectful level, right? I mean, you see basketball do it. Those players talk smack all day long. And no one, you know, you're not told to shut up, stop talking, get back in the box or get back to the foul line or just take the ball out. No, they go at it and they gab with each other and then they show up the other person by a phenomenal play. Whether in baseball, you can make that a strikeout, a home run or a base hit. Like you've got to let the personality show like you got to show that this is fun and not a job. Too many times I think baseball looks like it's like it's a real job. And part of that is, is because by the time these guys get to the major league level, they're exhausted. I mean, they've gone through single A, double A, triple A, four or five different teams, six or seven different cities. And it's like, all right, I'm here. And I got 162 of these to play. Not 10, not 20, not 30, but 162 of these games to play. And I think it just it just wears them down. And the other way you could bring it, you could bring in the fan element just by bringing bringing fans in more. I liked last year, I think, or two years ago when they did during the All Star Game, like they mic'd up Freddie Freeman, yeah. and you were able to hear him say, "Well, I didn't even see that one," <laughs> or "I got no chance." Like you know, oh, he gave me what I wanted. Oh, I missed it. Like things like that make it fun. Or when they're in the outfield, like hear what the, hear what they're talking about, hear what they're doing. Like it's just. You know they got they got to make it more appealing to the younger fan, and uh, other sports are doing a better job of that right. Oh, definitely, and um, you know they definitely appeal to the youth. And one of the things, like I mean, that's great that you're miking up the players, and but it's got to be the right players. Like I love I mean, Freddie. Freddie Freeman yeah. is a good player. Like I am not, I'm not yeah. shitting on Freddie Freeman. He's a he's killed the Mets many and often. You know he's the new Chipper Jones, but. He's not bringing eyeballs to the TV. Bryce Harper is. 
and Fernando Tatis yeah. Jr. is. Has a chance. Fernando Tatis has a chance. Like yeah. those guys need to be, you know, you want to talk, you know, meeting in uh, North Dakota, Rob Manfred needs to get these guys in a meeting <laughs> in South Dakota. And say, it's South, in Dakota. South Dakota. And say, Dakota, boys, get it going. Boys, this is what, this is my idea. We're going to mic you up. You guys are the stars of the game. Like, you need to be the ambassadors of Major League Baseball. You know, RB, the RBI program doesn't really work because they're not – it's not invested enough in terms of stars. Curtis Granderson is making an impact. Curtis Granderson is not on, not on the same level as a Mookie Betts would be. Like they, or yeah. Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson was very colorful. But the problem is, is that it, it – sometimes looked a little bit like we were talking about before. Like he was just trying to show people up for the sake of showing people up. So like, it's gotta be the right guy. There's a reason why Jackie Robinson, when we were talking about baseball integration, why Jackie Robinson was the guy, he was the right guy. He's the guy. He's the exactly. guy. Now, whether, He's whether guy. this, whether it's Mookie Betts or Fernando Tatis Jr. Or Bryce Harper, whoever, like you gotta have the right guys being the face of your league. Or the face of your franchise. And and one of the things that hit the headlines this week was Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing, he uh, led the Georgetown Hoyas to their Big East championship and <laughs> had some complaints about the way he was treated in Madison Square Garden. He was asked several times for his credential walking through the halls. What an embarrassing moment from Madison Square Garden. What do you think of this 611 New York Knicks legend having to having to pretty much explain that he don't need a credential where his jersey hangs in the rafters? First things first, I got to say that it is it is completely different from the Charles Oakley thing. For as far as I'm as far as I'm aware Patrick Patrick Ewing has never criticized the New York Knicks. He's never been critical of James Dolan. He's never been you know he didn't even say that the MSG network is boring. He didn't do anything to the best of my knowledge. Patrick Ewing is a new Patrick, Patrick Ewing. Ewing is a New York sports legend. If you don't know who Patrick Ewing is you need, as a security guard, you need to reevaluate your life. Like, I don't understand how you, I mean, what, the only thing, like I mentioned to you jokingly, of course, is that he wasn't in uniform and he wasn't sweating profusely. That was the only, the only thing I could say is like, how do you not recognize Patrick fucking Ewing in New York, in Madison Square Garden? Like, it just, it just reeks of like, just not knowing anything about anything well here's i mean the other part i have an issue with is this, it's not like this guy is like five foot six five foot eight five foot eleven like he's six foot eleven like if you don't know he's important there's a problem the only thing i can imagine is maybe these security guards are busting his balls <laughs> they're joking around like you gotta imagine right you can't really be like would they do that to wayne gretzky if wayne gretzky was working through madison square garden Wayne, where's your credential, man? Where's your credential? You got a credential? Like, you're not going to no. – does Derek Jeter – do you got to ask Derek Jeter for a credential when he's in Yankee Stadium? No. Like, Derek – Tom Brady needs a credential when he's at Gillette? No. 
Well, no, maybe yeah. now he does, but <laughs> but he's I'm just I'm just saying he's like got a, they got a picture of him at the door. Do not let this guy in. Li- listen, listen. As a guy who's worked for professional organizations, I never would ask any former player for their credential, no matter how high or no matter how low. Whether they're Joe Namath or whether they're Eric Coleman, I'm not asking for their credential. Whether they're Derek Jeter or whether they're you know, I don't know, Joe Girardi, whatever. I'm not asking for your credential. And if I got to get fired and they ask you, well, why didn't you ask his credential? You see who he is? Like, it's not, it's, it's not a question. And not to mention his team's in the finals in the Big East tournament, for crying well, out loud. He's been there before. He's been there. He's played in the Big East tournament. He's played for the New York Knicks. He's done it all. Uh, but, you know, they, they did have an impressive win. Georgetown, you know, was victorious. Were, were there any other... Uh, tournament winners this weekend that you were surprised by? Uh, not really. I mean, Iona won the MAC, so I was proud of our guy, I was, man. I was proud of Petito, man. Know, as a Manhattan Jasper alum, I'm just I wanted Manhattan to win. They were out in the first round, so like, it is what it is. Oh, okay. Uh, I get it. I get it. Know, I, I, Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State needed the Michigan win State to even get into the playoff. Definitely to, to get into the play and again against. UCLA, like how the mighty have fallen. Let's just let's just right. go with that. Let's run with that for a second. You got Michigan State, a multiple time Final Four appearance and championship organization, and then UCLA is godly. John Wooden, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, undefeated seasons, undefeated. which we're going to get to. Walton, like you know, like granted they've fallen on hard times of late, but these two organizations are in the playing game and duke is out crazy and kentucky is out like this is crazy like we are in mass hysteria Great. time baby uh but yeah like you're talking about ucla uh one of the best you know dynasties of, of an organization when it comes to college basketball uh having you know separate four separate undefeated seasons uh so gonzaga's you know got a chance to run the table uh, they can join the likes of uh, John Wooden's UCLA teams with Bill Walton, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bobby Knight's 1970s Indiana Hoosier team, uh, UN, uh, University of North Carolina's 1957 team, and Bill Russell's San Francisco uh, 1956 teams all went undefeated. So what will Gonzaga's legacy be if they're able to run the table in the next couple of weeks? They're a team that went undefeated and won the national championship. Like, that's it. Period. End of sentence. Um, When you look at those teams, everyone – I mean, you mentioned Bill Russell. University of San Francisco. He didn't go to, like, the division powerhouse. You know, he didn't go to Kentucky. He didn't go to any of the, you know, the the nationally known schools. He played – actually, honestly enough, uh, uh, strangely enough, I think that's the same division as Gonzaga. So very interesting. You have the you, whack. Yeah, it's whack. It's whack, all right. Um, you have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You have Bill Walton. The Indiana Hoosier team had six NBA players. Were they superstars? No, but they made it there. So how many of these guys on Gonzaga are legit NBA talent? We know Suggs is. I don't know about the rest of them. Maybe that's me just you know not watching enough of Gonzaga because 
they play up in Washington. I really don't give a shit. I'm not going to stay up late to watch them. Sorry. But in terms of legacy, they'll, they're just another team, in my opinion. Like another undefeated team or just another team? Like, are you trying to say that they can't walk amongst the Giants or they can walk amongst the Giants? No, they're not in the, there's, there's a tier in the Giants and yeah. they are not, they're yeah, not I agree. in that, they're not in that next echelon. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's unfortunate for them. For me, it doesn't really have to do with their division. It has more to do with this season. The season was such an outlier. I mean, you had the Ivy Leagues not even play. Um, and then you have teams playing, you know, you have, you have all these teams playing different number of games, um, people, people dealing with COVID. Like you had a situation where Virginia couldn't even finish their conference championship because someone contracted COVID. Like they, they up until I think yesterday, wasn't even sure if they were going to let them play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, there's just too many outliers there and good for them. If they, if they do finish undefeated, I think it's still something that should be, it's it's still remarkable, but you don't touch any of the other programs. That no, this. absolutely not. I'm now, sorry. where do you sit? Where do you stand on Mark Few as a coach? Because as far as I mean, I'm not going to throw shade at Mark Few because he made this he made this school what it was and what it is, and he took it from a Division two school to a perennial national powerhouse, from the little engine that could to the engine that not only can but does every year. So, what is your opinion of him as a coach? Oh, I think he's good. Yeah, I think he's a good coach. I think he would do well at any of the big time programs. He knows basketball. I mean, to to be able to produce the winners he does year after year after year, you almost hope they go the full ride and they do capture the title. If this is this is one of the years where I think it's more possible than any other year with you know, some of the heavy hitters sitting at oh, home. Oh, definitely. But, and if they do run the table, like to have, does it sit well with you that you have John Wood and you have Bobby Knight and then you have Mark Few? No, I'm okay with that because again, he's, he's just not going to be, he's not going to be like if Tom Izzo did it or if, you know, Roy Williams did it. Uh, he, he's just, he'll be mentioned in, in that class and, and, and that's okay because record wise, he, he did accomplish it, but you know, like we talked about this year is an outlier. There are actually four alternate teams that are sitting on the sidelines just in case someone tests positive in the next couple of days. So is it fair for them to be rooting for someone to get sick just so they can get into the tournament. Right. And, and those four teams are Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss for the guys that don't follow NCAA basketball as closely as we do. But no, it's absolutely not fair that they're that, you know, oh, uh, Louisville is going to be licking their chops like, oh, Virginia's out. We're going to go in there. We're going to step in. And we're, yeah. you earned a four seed for nothing. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's a, and that's the whole problem, right? Is that if if a team is not able, and this is just up until tomorrow, if a team is not able to play, one of those four teams will slide into their spot. But once the tournament starts, no team can slide into anybody's spot. If a team tests positive for COVID and they can't show, I think seven consecutive days of of negative tests, then the team that they're supposed to play moves yeah. on. 
that's 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 a walkover. I mean, like it's crazy. It's and you got to imagine it's gonna happen. I can't imagine it not happening. I can't imagine it not happening at least with one or two teams. And you know, we we don't. But I mean, obviously, we don't think they're actively rooting for people to get sick. But also, this definitely affects them too. The idea of rest versus rust. Are you going to put on your best showing when you're cold? Like you're not expect you're halfway. You're preparing halfway that maybe we'll be there. And oh, now you're there. Like you got to turn it on. So is it fair for these teams as well? Whereas you have the, you know, the first four, like you have the, you have these playing games, like they knew they were going to be there already. So what should they be, you know, as a, you know, as a competitor, what should you be doing in this moment? You know, should we run scrimmages? Right. Like what, what are you doing? Right. And the other part is, is you bring up a good point. It's like if, if I'm preparing to face Virginia and then all of a sudden, Virginia can't play and another team gets slotted in. Like we're not ready for this team. Like we, we didn't know we were going to have to play this team. And now what happens if this team comes in and beats us? Like it's just because we weren't ready. Like, like, it, like, let's say a team like Baylor, a team like Baylor shoots 48% from three. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But now let's say Baylor gets slotted out for another team. Well, we were ready to defend the three. Like, that's how we talked about Like, we game plan. Like, we were going up against a team that's going to be raining bombs on us all game. Now we got to rethink the game plan. I don't even know the players in this other team. Like, I think it's unfair. It's unfair for the students. Uh, it's just – you're going to get into a situation where, like we, we just talked about, like if Gonzaga is able to run the table and let's say one or two of the teams that they were supposed to play has to come out, I mean – Damn, that that changes things. No, it totally it? changes it because, like you said, you're not preparing for this team, and it throws the it, it throws the team that made the tournament on its own volition. It throw it puts them at a disadvantage. Whereas the school that the the school that is the sub, the alternate, should be at the disadvantage. But it's it's not it's not the best of situations. You make the best with what you got, but I, I don't know. It's, you know, you just kind of have to roll with it. But th- that is interesting. Regardless of who is in there, whether it's Virginia or it's an alternate, I'm taking Ohio in that game. It's it's going to in- – it's because in- they know they're going to be there. And, uh, I mean, does right. that does that also influence how people fill out their brackets? Because it's just like, oh, Virginia's been out. They got the COVID. Like, do they – you know, like, are people going to be a little bit more shrewd? Are they going to be in the know about this and kind of – move the betting lines accordingly to compensate for that. Yeah. Well, we, we both, we both filled out our bracket. Uh, you can check our bracket out on, uh, if you go to Instagram, you can see what we posted. Uh, and uh, what do you got in your final four Z? So for my personal final four, because we also did a simulation for final four, for the pick route 2021 if you go to espn you can find us there it's pick route 2021 my final four is iowa versus michigan texas tech versus illinois with michigan and texas tech in the finals who you got i love it i love it so i did something interesting this year uh I tried. I tried my best. I tried my best not to go chalk, but I still did. Except for one team, 
I have Florida State. Mm. I have Florida State, Iowa, Iowa, and I got Illinois and OSU. I was tempted to go all Big Ten and put Michigan or even Michigan State in there, but I've always liked Florida State. I like their coach. I like the way they play ball. I just – I've always been a fan of them. But ultimately, I have Illinois beating Florida State in the championship. Okay. The Illini. The fighting Illini. Very good. And for – our simulation, it wasn't that far off from mine, strangely enough. And, what? Say what? Say and not what? only that, you know how you have to fill out the tiebreakers, you know, with the score? It simulated the yeah. exact same score that I picked when I picked my bracket. So that is freaking weird. Whoa. That's, like, that's some eerie shit right there. Um, so it's Iowa and Michigan, Ohio State and Houston, and then Michigan, Ohio State in the national title. And in both scenarios – when I simmed it and when I picked it, I got Michigan winning this thing. Jawan Howard has his boys primed and ready. And to, to me, like this run as a coach makes him the greatest member of the Fab Five of all time. Because Chris Weber, I mean, he's fine as an announcer, decent as a player. Jawan Howard has taken it to a whole new level. Yes, yeah, I agree. I agree. He's done really well. Uh, I think, yeah, I, 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 like, I like Michigan's chances. I'm not mad at that. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out, and let's get cooking. It's the in route, where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to get in on the action? Want to be part of the in crowd? Hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com or slide in our DMs at faderoutepodcast on IG. This week on the In Route, we welcome our good friend from the Midwest, Chi-Town Mike. How's it going, Mike? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. This is awesome. Mike, Z, Z and I just did our picks for the NCAA tournament. So how good of a job do you think the committee did this year in seeding, taking into consideration the coronavirus and the lack of games played by certain teams? Uh, let's call it okay. Just run of the mill. They rewarded teams with losses and early exits in their respective tournaments. We got Georgia Tech winning the ACC, gets a nine seed. Other seeds, nine seeds are Missouri, Wisconsin, St. Bonaventure. I don't, I think something doesn't add up with that, those nine seeds there. And then you got Florida State looking great in the ACC and they get a four seed. So I don't know. That's, I like the twos the best of everybody here. And I'm looking forward to watching the two seeds um, make some noise in this tournament this year, too. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Florida State. I have them going pretty far. Um, which games do you like this weekend? Uh, if you're a guy that 
just got your stimulus check or you just got your tax <laughs> return and you want to blow some money on a game, where would you uh, send them to bet this weekend? Oh, baby. You know they're coming to me. They're coming with these picks. If you want to make some money, I'm going Houston with points against Cleveland State. That's 20 and a half. I don't care. They're winning. They're taking them all. And then I also think that West Virginia with Bobby Huggins is going to win and get to the Sweet 16. Take, take the points in the first round. They're getting 13. Doesn't matter. And then Florida State's getting 10 and a half. That's not enough. They're going to win by more. And then I got a little baby parlay if you really want to lose or win some money, depending on how crazy you feel. <laughs> I'm going Houston, West Virginia, Florida State, and I'm going to throw Iona with a cover in there. Patino's not going to let his team lose by 16. They're not going to win, but they're not going to lose by 16. <laughs> Mike, that's sexy. I like that. You know, West Virginia just always breaks my heart every year. I always have a problem betting on them. And uh, especially when they're in a bracket, obviously, later on, they have the chance to possibly face uh, Syracuse. You know, I know the both of us really liked St. John's chances this year. We we probably had them going to the 16, Sweet 16. Unfortunately, they didn't get into the tournament. But is there a team like St. John's, an outlier, that might have a chance to go deeper than anyone expects this year? Yeah, I, I do. I like West Virginia. I like Oregon or Oregon, depending on where you're from and how you like to pronounce it. And uh, you got you. I like USC. I'm uh, I'm really gonna enjoy though the West bracket becoming legendary status for me or haunting me like Duke does every year when I accidentally put them around too far. Got nothing to worry about with Duke this year, baby. He they ain't there, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, this is. How, do you think that's going to impact a little bit of the viewership before I uh, move on to the next question? No, Duke, no Kentucky, Michigan State's in a playoff game, in a play-in game. Do you think that's going to yeah. impact the eyeballs or anything? Most definitely. I mean, I love to root against Duke. It's, it's like a second favorite thing in college basketball besides the UNC championship. Nice. It's just, it's just so good. And yes, the, it will impact. Um, views on the game and i did realize that wisconsin unc got the i think 7 a 7 p.m which would normally be a day game or something but because they got they needed a primetime game to fill that's where they ended up so i find it really interesting i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad duke's not in it i i'm actually so happy they're out and kentucky's out um, I'm, I'm partial to Michigan state. I like Izzo. He's an Italian guy. So, you know, I, I like him being in the tournament, but it's nice to see some of those blue bloods have to sit home this year. Yeah. At, at, the, at the end of the day, they didn't deserve to be there. And if they were put in, like you knew it was just on name recognition alone, switching gears a little bit to fantasy baseball. Uh, most teams and leagues are going to be having their drafts in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to opening day. Uh, what players are you betting on to have a breakout season? Uh, who are you watching out for? I'm going to – hey, guys, I'm going to bore you to death with this one. It, I'm expecting nice things to come out of uh, Soto, Trout, Betts, Acuna, and Tatis to be picked early and gone early. I like Tatis meeting or exceeding his numbers last year. Obviously, a shortened season, but – Let's go back two years and matching those numbers or beating them. 
I like to see what Shane Bieber can do on Cleveland. The Grom and Cole were going local here in New York, and both those guys, big, big things to expect. But I did dig up some sleepers for you guys to think about. We got Lourdes Gurriel with a really nice OPS, can hit home runs and extra bases too. And I'm going deep, deep sleeper here. Carlos Martinez, the fifth starter on the Cardinals. Watch this guy pop up with 11 wins this year and make Whoa. somebody season. Okay. Okay, you got that, boys and girls. If you're, uh, you know, doing daily fantasy or even taking some drafts, those are the guys to watch. Keep an eye on that. And if they don't work out for you, you can blame Mike over here. Uh, talking now that it is officially the new year for the NFL, the Patriots are making uh, some big moves. They appeared to spend all their money on the first day of free agency. And uh, did they spend enough to make you consider drafting Cam Newton this year or what? Nope. unless cam gets a running back status where he you could slot him in the running back slot what is he going to be 20 percent better it's still horrible expect his uh total tds passing and rushing to be around 30 he might not turn the ball over as much rushing but uh let's hope that his covid fog brain is gone and he doesn't have any personal distractions like living by yourself with your family out of state which which is nuts yeah you're such a Cam hater. <laughs> Prove it, Cam. After last season, you know, you, you gotta, you, he's got to be on a prove it kind of situation. I, I'm with Mike on this, Dave. And, uh, Mike, we'll get you out here on this one. Uh, you're a Giant fan. I'm a Giant fan. What free, what free agents are out there that they should target? We know they brought in Booker. We know they brought in Ross. They re-signed Nate Solder. Like, who, uh, who should they be targeting and who should they ultimately sign? Uh, wow, great question. How about the entire Raiders offensive line that got cut? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Plug and play. The whole, all of them. I bet we could get them for cheaper, too. Do you think you could get a package deal? Maybe you could just work with all, you know, one agent and get them, you know, a group, a group rate. You think you get a group rate on that? Yes, definitely. Discount, double check, group rate, Costco pricing. We'll figure it out. Oh, my goodness. And we'll just get them uh, some discount on some pizza or something like that just to really kind of make it, uh, you know, incentivize it a little bit for them. A Toyota. Eli's got one ready. There you go. There you go. Um, but but seriously, guys, Galladay is still out there. I don't uh, – apparently he's doing a private visit with the Giants, which is a nice sign. Um, Melvin Ingram could be the edge rusher we need. I just don't know what his deal is health-wise and. He's definitely got to pass a physical and maybe a mental. I, I don't really know what that guy's <laughs> up to. Um, Galladay's probably not going to be a giant because I'm not feeling like he's going to sign. So we got Juju and Fuller behind him in terms oh, of wide God, receiver no, depth. No, no, stop. Don't. So, you, so, Mike, just so we're clear, you're past the point of wanting to trade Daniel Jones or you're past this point of trying to get a different quarterback? I would package Saquon and Daniel Jones and get Russell right now. And <laughs> goodbye. And I'll take Carson back. They could send. Him. I think he's a free agent though. But I'll take he's him a, too. Yeah, I think he's a free agent. No, he's gone. Yeah. Right, well, I would do what I got to do to get rid of Daniel Jones, or <laughs> or just figure out what exactly he can do at this point, which is fumble and 
throw to the opposing team, which is frustrating. Very well. Yeah. Very well. Absolutely. Wheelie's got to prove it this year. He's got to prove that he's actually worth the pick that he's that, and Saquon too, man. Honestly, Saquon he hadn't done shit for me. Like I don't know how you feel about him, but I feel like he's been a bit of a bust. He is trending towards a bust. He has a season or two left with the Giants to show us why he was the second pick, or him and Gettleman will be departing together, which will not be fun. No, it definitely won't. But you know what has been fun? This segment. We love having you on. And if you want to join us, if you want to be part of the in crowd, hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com, or we're on Twitter now, faderoute at DNZ, or hit us up on IG, faderoute podcast, and let us know why you should be the next member of the in crowd. Thanks for joining us, Mike, and uh, we will see you again down the road, brother. Thanks, guys. I hope the parlays hit. We hope so too. Take care. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. Order up! Boys and girls, it is time for our order up segment. This week we are doing the AL Central. So what do you got, Z? There's a lot of, again, there is a lot of (laughs) meh in this division. Something about the middle (laughs) of this country. Something about the Central Divisions in both the American League and the National League. Just a bunch of meh. Now, it's a coin flip for me between the Royals and the Tigers as terms, in terms of who is the worst. Who is the, who is the fizzling shits of this division? And ah, it's tough because the Tigers lineup is not that great. But looking at the Royals rotation, it's fucking abysmal. So like, some amalgam of these two teams would actually be pretty decent. Strangely enough, but so you're saying they should combine into one team and come in fourth. <laughs> they should for the, for one year only. They should be the Kansas City Detroit Tiger Kings, and they'll finish in fourth place. Exactly, the Kansas City Tiger. Joe Kings. Exotic, baby. <laughs> oh. Joe fucking Exotic. But I'm gonna give the Tigers the nod. They're gonna be my fourth place team, which means the Royals will be my fifth place team. Just on the fact that that rotation is so mediocre, even with Benintendi, even with Merrifield, Sally Perez, hopefully he has a full year. Solaire, Dozier, just not enough. And Matthew Boyd is decent. Daniel Norris is decent. They have your boy Julio Tehran. They brought him in. But, I mean, it's not going to be a great year for the Tigers either. Spencer Turnbull is the ace of your staff, and I think he he got close if he didn't lose 20 games at one point. I think he got close. 
Um, the lineup, it's a growing pain lineup. You got veterans here. You got Scope. You got Cabrera. You got Robbie Grossman. The Buffalo, Wilson Ramos is there. So just on the edge of the, the rotation is going to edge them out for me. Third place, the Cleveland Indians or whatever they're going to be called in the future. Um, still a decent lineup, <laughs> not great. They definitely need to, you know, figure out their they, – they need to figure out their budgetary issues because this ain't the same Cleveland Indian team that we're used to. The rotation – there's a huge drop-off. You have Bieber and Plesak and then three guys named Mo. Um, but the fact that they have two guys, at least it keeps you afloat for a while. Number two, I'm going to go with the Chicago White Sox just for the simple fact that they have yet to prove it. You know, one year under Tony LaRusso, we're going to see what this team is made of because Tony's going to push some buttons. He's going to rub people the wrong way. And he's going to do what Tony La Russa does. That lineup is good. It plays. Anderson, Moncada, Grandal, Abreu, Jimenez, Robert. Uh, Andrew Vaughn might be their DH. He can also sub at first base for Jose Abreu if and when he finally gets traded. Like, you, got, you have some bats in that lineup. The rotation is anti-right. I mean, Lucas Giolito, clearly head and shoulders above everybody. Lance Lynn is a career four starter. He's going to be in there. Dallas Keuchel is not what he used to be. So, like, a lot of people a lot of people were saying, well, where were the White Sox in your order up for best rotations? I'm like, it's one and a bunch of guys. Like, sorry. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Liam, Liam Hendricks is a good closer, but who's getting him the ball? And by default, that leaves number one, the Minnesota Twins. Good lineup, solid lineup, better rotation. Whatever you say about Jay Happ, he's not in New York anymore. He'll probably pitch better. So you're looking at Maeda, Berrios, Pineda, Happ. Solid. I'm going to take the the Twins number one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're we're not we're not we're not very different. Uh, you know, the, the, I think we both agree. Tigers are terrible. I mean, they're bad. No, no, they're, they're really bad. They're they're five years away from being five years away. Uh, I I mean I see their ace a little differently. I, I like Casey Mize. I think he's going to be there. You see them guy. bringing him up. Um, okay. Yeah. I think he, they're, they're not going to have they're a choice. They're not going to manipulate <laughs> his service time choice. like they were trying to do with Kelnick in Seattle. <laughs> not if they win one, not if they want to win. And I think they'll have to bring Torkelson up too. He's, he's going to be probably their best hitter. He's, he's probably their future. Um, I have actually the Cleveland Indians mm. coming in fourth. Um, you know, they, they trade, they gave away their best player. Um, I don't see a Washington national situation here where they get rid of their best player and they get to the world series. Like uh, they do have good pitching. I, I, I think more, I, I like their pitching maybe a little bit more than you do. I think Bieber, Plesak, Seville, I think they're going to be good. Um, they'll keep them in the race, but it's just not going to be enough. Uh, I think Kansas city's on the rise. Everybody's talking about Bobby with do junior. Bobby Wood Jr. and I think they're going. You know, they snagged Benintendi, which I think was huge. I, I think a change of scenery is going to be good for him. Um, Dirtoe seems okay, but Salvador, Salvador Perez makes up for it. He's probably one of the best in the league at framing. Um, they, they have enough to do better than the Indians. Mm. Let's put it that way. I think. Uh, and surprisingly, I have the Twins finishing second. I thought the Twins had everything they needed last year. Uh, I think them not being able to bring back Odorezzi, I think that was a mistake. Um, 
it's a good thing they still have Barrios, Cruz, and Donaldson. And, and Donaldson, they're they're big bats. Uh, I just I just can't trust the Twins. Like they can never get out of the first round, and they can never just they can never keep it going for an entire year. And I think everything's really primed for the White Sox really? this year. Uh, I do, I do, I do. I like them. Uh, they went and got La Russa. Kind of feels like a Joe Madden situation. Um, I know you say Lance Lynn's a career four, you know, career number four starter, but when he keeps the ball down, he's really, really unhittable. Like he really, he 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 becomes a different player. Uh, you saw that with the with the Rangers, and you saw that even with the Yankees. Like he he just. You were like, wow, they just were just able to sign this guy. How does that work? Uh, I think Galito. I think Galito has a chance to win the Cy Young Award. That's how much I believe in his stuff, and I believe in him. I think Liam. I think Liam Kendricks was a, which was a big pickup. He's going to close their games for them, and they're going to smash the ball all over the yard. Roberts, Anderson, Abreu. I, I, I don't. I, I see a ninety win team here, maybe a hundred wins, and I think that's going to be good enough. No, they definitely have the, the ability to to get in the mix. I mean, based on that talent they have accumulated, they should be able to outscore their opponents enough to at least secure a wild card. Like the, what needs what would happen for the it would be a catastrophic failure for them to slip back based on what they've accumulated and who they brought in to run the ship. You know. Right, I mean that's the whole thing. They brought they brought him in here to finish this. This is it, man. This is it. We this we're ready. This, we're ready. This is I it. Mean, unless Dave Duncan so... is coming with them, like I don't know. Like Dave Duncan was the key to me because he was the, mo- the mastermind of the pitching. Like that, you you never went. Larusa never went anywhere without Dave Duncan. Now we'll see. We'll yes, we'll see true. what happens. But I don't know. I like I hope Dallas Keuchel pitches as well as he used to. But, you know, it remains to be seen. And I've been to that ballpark, man. That ball flies sometimes. Like, it's just kind of like Lance Lynn better pray to the gods that his sinker's working because if it's not, it's going to be a long night. But the other part, yeah, but the other part is, it's like, look who they're competing against. I mean, the Twins is really the only threat, and it's the Minnesota (laughs) Twins. Like, they'll find a way to jack it up. I mean, let's be real about this. I mean, this team can't get out of their own way sometimes. They trip tying their shoe. They trip tying their shoelaces. I mean, come on. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast every Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, or other uh, outlets where you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.